Find, please, in your copy of Scripture, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 7, and we'll read verses 13 and 14. We've come to the, um, the last week of this series, Out of This World, and um, we're going to talk about Gates Forks and the price of indecision, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And these are the words of the Lord Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. I've been on a few flights, uh, and maybe you have too, when flight attendants had a little fun with the, with the passengers. You know, you've sat down, you've buckled your seatbelt, they've closed the door, you put your laptop away, you're headed to Washington, D.C. And the flight attendant gets on the, uh, gets on the mic and says, welcome to uh, flight 585, uh, headed to Havana, Cuba. And everybody for a half a second panics, and then uh, they realize the flight attendant's just, just yanking our chain, and everybody smiles. It would be catastrophic, would it not, to be on a flight to D.C. And, and end up in Havana? Well, I know what it's like to get on the wrong flight and end up in the wrong place. It was 1981, and uh, I was living in Venezuela. And uh, I was on a plane enjoying my flight until the flight attendant said, we have begun our descent into Barquisimeto. And I was headed to Caracas. And so I, um, I, uh, I, I did panic because she wasn't kidding. We really were landing in Barquisimeto. Now, quite frankly, it wasn't all that catastrophic for me. I met a young guy there in the airport about my age. He was between flights. We hung out. The president of Venezuela landed, and I got to see, see all the pomp and circumstance there. But most of the time, to go through the wrong gate and get on the wrong flight and ended up, end up in the wrong place would be rather catastrophic. Now, I'm sure it would never happen at Huntsville International. In fact, that, our airport was voted the the best small airport in the country by a USA Today poll in December of 2019, back when people were flying on planes, you know. I know it would never happen there, but it can happen. And I, I, I know it can happen because I, I Googled it and it says so on the internet. So I know that's true, that it can happen. It's highly unlikely, it's super unlikely, but it is apparently possible still, even post 9-11, to, to go through the wrong gate in some airports, go through the wrong gate and get on the wrong flight and end up in the wrong place. The point is that if you get on the, if you go through the wrong gate and you get on the wrong flight, you can be sure uh, you're going to end up in the wrong place. We've been talking all these weeks uh, about out of this world. We talked about death and said that We've got to remember that we're not going to live here forever, and that's not a morbid thought, it's just a healthy thought, to remember that we should live life with a healthy sense of urgency, because we're not going to live here forever. Psalm 90, verse 11, 
teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. We talk about death. We talk about the second coming of Jesus, about how history is headed toward a God-planned conclusion, that we're headed toward a culmination of history when Jesus returns and history becomes different and all is made right. As uncomfortable as it was, we talked about hell. We explored the, the different images, metaphors in the New Testament for hell, from annihilation to fire to the most clear description of hell, which is eternal separation from God and all that is good. And then last week we had a lot more fun and we talked about heaven. I, I mentioned Ecclesiastes 3.11 that says God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has given us this innate longing for an eternal home. And with all this talk about out of this world and, and death and the return of Jesus and, and hell and heaven, it remains true that where we end up depends on the gate that we walk through. And walking through the wrong gate and getting on the wrong flight will, will end you up in the wrong place. We have a statement of beliefs here at First Baptist. It's, um, in fact, it's listed following the title of the sermon if you still have your, um, your worship guides open. And I want to read one of them in particular. It's about a third of the way down. We believe our decisions in this life have eternal consequences. We further believe that our hope for heaven comes through faith in Jesus not our own goodness. We believe our decisions in this life have eternal consequences. Simply put, uh, we believe the gate you go through determines where you end up. The famous New York Yankee, Yogi Berra, is known for his Yogi Berra-isms, for all those uh, quirky sayings that he had. And you have to really think about them. Like one, he said uh, about the game of baseball, 90% of the game is half mental. So you got to think about that one. He also said, and this is, a, this is a good one, always go to other people's funerals. Otherwise, uh, they won't come to yours. See, now that's a, you got to think about, got to think about that one. Uh, he said, and I, this may be my, this may be my favorite Nobody goes there anymore. It's always too crowded. So you got to think about, got to think about that one too. But the title of his book and the title of the first chapter is, When You Come to a Fork in the Road, Take It. Now, his point about that is, don't fret over every decision. Don't give yourself an ulcer over every decision. Just make a decision. And you're probably going to be okay. And it's a, good, it's a good philosophy of life in most decisions. It's a good philosophy of life. In fact, uh, I wish I'd known that when our daughter was really fretting over where to go to college. And she was really wound up about that because, and here's the deal. She said, most people meet the one they're going to marry in college. If I go to the wrong college, I'll marry the wrong person. And she was all wound up about that. Well, I tried to ease her anxiety and... She did, she, she chose a good college and in fact met her now husband in the Sunday school class at church, not at college at all. But when you come to a fork in the road, he says, take it, don't fret, don't give yourself an ulcer. You're probably going to be okay, whichever you choose. But there is one fork in the, in the road. 
that you have to choose carefully. It is because it is a decision with eternal consequences. We believe, we believe our decisions in this life have eternal consequences. And there is a fork in life's road. And the decision at that fork has, in fact, eternal consequences. And it is summed up, the, the decision is summed up in a question that Pilate asked the crowd on the day that Jesus was on trial before Jesus was crucified. Pilate turned to the crowd and asked, what then shall I do with Jesus? That is, in fact, the central question of history. It is the central question of your life and my life. What then shall I do with Jesus? That is the great fork in the road. What will we do with Jesus? And the answer to that question has eternal consequences. I've quoted from Yogi Bear. Let me quote from another uh, oft-quoted writer, C.S. Lewis. I'm going to paraphrase him. He said, we do not live in a world where every road winds together, winds its, themselves so that they end up at the same place. All roads, C.S. Lewis said, do not end up at the same place. Rather, there are forks in the road with definitely different destinations. The good news, he said, C.S. Lewis said, is that if you take the wrong fork, if you take the wrong road at the fork, you can go back. You can go back to that fork and make the right choice. Let me read for you again the words of Jesus that I read a moment ago. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He speaks of destruction, which is that which robs us of life at its best here and eventually separates us forever from God. But the narrow way, which is a harder way, and there are lots of people who, who understand it far better than I do. But the hard way leads to life. And the, the interesting trivia about that verse is that the word translated life is not the Greek word bios from which we get the word biology. It's not just breathing and heart beating and brain waves functioning. It's not just that life. It is the word zoe, not bios, but the Greek word zoe, which is translated in the Greek lexicon or dictionary, life that is full and vigorous, life that is life. So it's not just life, it's life. It's life at its best in a fallen world and life that never ends. But there are two gates. There is a fork in the road and where we end up depends on the road that we take. There's an old poem that says that to everyone there openeth a highway and a low, and everyone decideth the way his soul shall go. To everyone there openeth a highway and a low, and everyone decideth the way his soul shall go. So that, and I know that sounds old fashioned and backwards. Every, everyone will decide where his soul goes. I know those words sound like they should be coming from a TV preacher in a white suit whose wife has really big hair. I know that. I know it sounds like words from a pulpit pounding preacher in a tent on the prairie. I know it sounds like that. To everyone there openeth a highway and a low, and everyone decided the way his soul shall go. It's true that it sounds old fashioned and backward, but it is true. 
to our Methodist friends who might be watching in the, uh, by live stream, or maybe if any Methodist snuck in today without us knowing it, you might know the name William Willemine. Will, Willemine was the, uh, was the bishop of the North American Conference of United Methodists, North Alabama Conference of United Methodists a few uh, years ago. Willemine is a brilliant uh, preacher, and no one would accuse Willemine of being a right-wing uh, fundamentalist. Nobody would accuse him of that. But Calvin Miller quoted Willimon from a book that Willimon had written on Advent devotions. Willimon said he went to a funeral of a man named Joe. And at the funeral, this country preacher tried to turn a service of grief and remembrance into a revival service. Willimon said, it's too late for Joe, the preacher screamed, but it ain't too late for you. People drop dead every day, so why wait? Now's the day for decision. Now's the time to make your life count for anything. So give you, count for something. So give your life to Jesus. Willimon said, I've never heard anything so cheap, manipulative, and inappropriate. I would never preach a sermon like that. He continued, my wife agreed with me that it was tacky, manipulative, and callous. Of course, she added, the worst part of it the worst part of it is that it was true. Now, I wouldn't go to a, a funeral service of grief and remembrance and try to manipulate people. And I know that those words, now is the day of salvation. I know those, those words sound backward. But the worst part of, of that sermon at that funeral is not that it was offensive. It is that it is true. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. It's time for a decision. Jim Hawkins uh, spoke at a civic club I'm part of recently. From April through, from April through, through June of this year, he was down in Montgomery. He was, he was the interagency coordinator for Alabama's COVID-19 response. So down in Montgomery, of course, there are several agencies working on this. And he was the one that, that was kind of the quarterback. He was the one that was holding everything together. And he talked about how different agencies have different personalities and how it was, it was difficult to coordinate all that. And he talked about the importance of decisiveness. He said, when you're in the middle of a crisis, you have to be decisive. And he told a story from when his dad was driving him to school when Jim was 14 years old. So his dad was driving him to school through the neighborhood. And Jim, 14 year old, sitting of course in the passenger side, saw ahead of them in the middle of the road, a squirrel, as you have seen a thousand times. And um, Jim made an assumption that the squirrel would get out of the way. His dad didn't slow up. The squirrel sensed impending danger. And the squirrel knew, I've got to do something. And the squirrel ran this way and that way and then this way. And you've seen them do it, right? Ran this way and that way and this way and that way. And Jim's dad never braked. And God called that squirrel home right there in the road, in the neighborhood. 
And Jim looked at his father with disbelief. His father had wantonly squished a squirrel, and he just couldn't believe his dad had done that. And Jim said, his father never took his eyes off the road, Knowing that Jim was looking at, it, at him as he was, his father said, Son, that is the price of indecision. I love that story. Except for the part of the squirrel meeting Jesus there in the, in the road. That, by the way, I'm not going to unpack that theology about squirrels meeting Jesus. That's a whole other topic. Son... That's the price of indecision. You know what that story makes me know? Not to decide is, in fact, to decide. Not to decide is, in fact, to decide. We don't decide to be separated from God by our sin. We're born like that with this sin nature and overwhelming tendency to do the wrong thing. We don't choose that. We're born into that. The choice is to be redeemed from that, to be rescued from that, to experience a transformation so dramatic, Jesus called it a new birth. That is the choice. And it is time for a decision. We've talked about death and the second coming of Jesus and heaven and hell. And it is time, Some, somebody in this room or watching by live stream is, it, is at that fork in the road. Now, I cannot push you to do something you're not ready for. I would not want to push you you're something, to do something you're not ready for. But I, but I can ask you what you're waiting for. And maybe you've been indecisive for a long time. Maybe you've been kicking the tires for a long time. Maybe you've been on the bubble for a while. Maybe you've been straddling the fence for years. And I'm, I, I can just, I can't push you, but I can urge you. And I can encourage you. And I can ask you, what are you waiting for? And what would it mean to at the fork of the road, to choose, to choose Jesus, it, would, it means to say, God, I turn from what is wrong in my life by your grace and your power not to go back. And I, I turn to you and I trust my life to Jesus here and forever, not my own goodness. And I surrender my will, my decision making to you because quite frankly, I have not done a great job of running my life. And so I turn over my decision making to you. If you're at the fork of life's road, I just would, I would implore you to remember that not to decide is, in fact, to decide. Robert Frost, you know, this poem, talked about coming to a fork in the road, and he was deeply struck by the, by the power of this choice knowing that to choose this way would mean one thing and this way would mean another, and he didn't know which it would mean. He did notice that there was one path that was well-worn. Lots of people had gone there. The other path, though, looked like not many had taken it. And he said, I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, 
Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. It does, in fact, make all the difference. An eternal difference. And not to decide is, in fact, to decide.